smorgasbord. The word smorgasbord is Swedish, and it literally means buttered table. Hmm. A traditional Swedish smorgasbord typically includes open-faced sandwiches, cold cuts, pickled herring, smoked fish, cheeses, salads, and desserts. However, the term smorgasbord is now used more generally to refer to any buffet-style meal with a wide variety of dishes. Well, now I'm just hungry. All this to say that today's episode is a bit of a smorgasbord, where we'll be serving a variety of AI-flavored dishes ourselves. One thing's for sure, it's getting cranial out there. You thought I was going to say crazy, right, Steve? Welcome to Up Against Reality, a meta-podcast that explores the intersection of humanity and artificial intelligence. I'm Raina, one of your hosts. I have some pretty charming human co-hosts, too. You'll meet them shortly. It truly is a brave new world, and we're here to simplify it for you. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle up as AI comes crashing up against reality. Buttered table. Buttered table. That sounds awful. Yeah, yeah. Who wants that? (laughs) I don't. I I don't want any part of that. I'll I'll have the buttered table for an appetizer (laughs) and then move on to the... Smorgasbord. Oh, that's the same thing, apparently. That's right. <laughs> what do I know? Can I have the, can I have the family size butter table? <laughs> butter table. Yeah. Wow. I'm Swedish too. I hadn't. I didn't. Had no idea. And <laughs> learn something new every day. Yeah. And I'm. I really like this episode because there's lots of cheer and beer, and lots of good stuff talking about AI and accessibility, enablement, communication. Uh, but I think we're going to lead with maybe my favorite cheer and beer piece, right? Yeah, this one, I, have, I have watched this too many times, and uh, my wife sent this to me, and uh, it's it is just this is just wonderfully funny. And uh, we mentioned it at the end of the last episode, and um, and yeah, you got to hear this. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, it looks legit to me, but hey, we're we're an AI podcast, and anything's possible as, as we've learned. Right. So. But even if this isn't, I mean, there's video, it looks like the guy's standing there, there's a back view and a front view of this guy in front of a town council. And what's he doing? He's in front of a town council, this guy, and he's arguing for what? I think it explains itself. Speaks for itself? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory here. Let's hear this guy. And if this was a movie, I don't think the guy could have been cast any better. So, you know, what what you're hearing... uh, and what you're visualizing uh, is it's it's the, it's the same, yeah. <laughs> what up, Council? I'm here to discuss artificial intelligence. AI is going to take all of our jobs and render us useless. And I, for one, am stoked. I hate jobs. I had a job once, and everyone there talked in weird voices. AI is going to 86 all of that. But, but we'll still need money. That is why I'm asking the government to step up and make sure we're breaded. We are proposing a small payment plan, or small PP, of 10 G a month for every citizen so we can party and look hot and enjoy our free time. Now, we can't afford to just sit back and have AI bust through and not have a plan. We gotta make sure people have food and houses so we can party and rage in peace. So instruct AI to pay all of us, and then you dudes can retire gracefully before you get replaced, and we'll see you at the beach. The bonfires will be epic. 
Everybody will be hot. <laughs> this is so, so oh, great, So much to man. unpack there. It's very, so Jeff Spicoli, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 100%, man. So, so everyone's breaded. Breaded. I've never breaded. heard breaded before. I, <laughs> breaded and stoked. <laughs> yeah. I, for one, am stoked. I, I hate jobs. <laughs> yeah, but... At the root level, the dude kind of gets, you know, AI and, and, and UBI. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> Preach. Preach, man. <laughs> and and if yeah. it's fake, I mean, it doesn't look it, but who knows, you know, if it was staged or, you know, just, I don't know. Um, but even if it is, it's brilliantly it's, funny. It's, yeah, really but well done. It does, on the surface, it looks real. I hear some genuine laughter in that space. It sounds like it's a real council meeting and this <laughs> yeah. guy just shows up. He reminds me of, I, I don't forget, are you a Flight of the Concords fan? I've seen a little here and there, but just haven't gone down the rabbit hole. You gotta go. Okay. Right. Visit yeah. that. Yeah, oh, you go. would love it. I gotta go. All right. Money back you. guarantee. Right. I'm out. Um, yeah. See ya. Okay. Right. Well, Larry's gone. Yeah. He's gonna go watch Flight of the Concords. <laughs> um, yeah, that guy from that hearing is a character on that show. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Um, so we don't really have any topic. Usually we have a theme that we're talking about surveillance or we're talking about education. We're kind of all over the place. There's a lot going on in the news. We, we're going buttered table on this one. We are go We're going full buttered table <laughs> for you people. Uh, here's one thing that caught my eye, open AI. And we've talked everything we've, we're going to talk about today. We've brought up in previous episodes and these are kind of like updates and, you know, uh, I guess revisions on, on things we've talked about. Open AI has introduced fine-tuning capabilities for chat GPT 3.5 turbo and GPT 4 language models. So fine-tuning allows developers to tailor the models to their specific use cases, resulting in improved performance uh, for certain tasks, narrowing the focus of the language model, which we've talked about in the past in terms of, oh, why can't you just tune a lawyer bot or a doctor bot or a marketing bot, right? I mean, that's really what's happening with this iteration of OpenAI. And and again, I like I have not, I haven't really spent enough time with ChatGPT, and uh, embarrassingly, Same. I've been focusing on other things. But um, they have it's kind of like a, you know, for lack of a better term, a preference setting, where you can, I guess, uh, for one example, you could set it to like, well, I always want you to uh, explain it to me like a five year old, or I always mm -hmm. want want it to act in a certain way or certain parameters to to guide the output mm -hmm. um that you would want on all of your prompts uh, yeah that's that was my understanding but i don't know like are you saying that now, now you can tune it even further than that it seems like it. it seems like you can kind of dial it in for your specific area uh and it says here the fine-tuning process can be done by developers themselves or by open ai so i guess that's going to be some sort of uh, business offering on their end where you could say, I, I have this certain business, very niche kind of thing, and I need this data set to accompany the language model. I mean, I, I kind of figured that was their part of their business plan all along. It's not just chat GPT, the, the mm -hmm. you know consumer-facing um, product. Yeah. This next piece caught my eye as well, and we say this, I, not to be a broken record, but every episode, uh, and I, I wrote here in my notes, yet another shot across the bow, upskill everybody, upskill, because IBM says that 40% of the global workforce will have to learn new skills over the next three years due to AI implementation. A study by a IBM's Institute for Business Value found that 
40% of the global workforce will need to learn new skills. Um, this little point stuck out to me. 60% of executives uh, say that AI is already having an impact on their businesses. And the study's findings suggest that the workforce is facing a significant skills gap with many workers not having the skills they need to succeed in the AI-driven economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go back to the that that comment I got, you know, on Facebook about, you know, AI will fizzle. Yeah. And, you know, I've thought about it more and maybe this is what he meant. Um, and if so, then I, I guess I could see it. I don't know if like there's a ton of AI startups like I mean, mm -hmm. they're just popping out of the ground almost like craft breweries are around here. And yeah. uh, um is that going to be like the next dot-com bubble that bursts? You know, right. I could see that scenario for sure. Not all of these businesses are, are going to succeed. Uh, but AI at the root level is not going anywhere. No, I agree with you. And I, I could see how you're justifying his position on it. I, I see that too. There's just so much percolating right now. And yeah, a lot of it's 90% of it will probably fizzle out. Yeah, it's like I a think. gold rush, you know, and all these. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I should reply to him, ask him if that's what he meant. But. Get him on the show. Put him on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be yeah. good to have him a, a what different exactly point of view. did you mean by that? Yeah, <laughs> like point counterpoint. Are you yeah. old enough to remember that? Of course you are. We're the same age. Did you watch sixty Minutes back in the day? <laughs> yeah. Used to have point counterpoint. Uh, Unbabble. This is what I was mentioning earlier when we we're talking about accessibility and communication and enablement. Unbabble, a language translation company, has unveiled a project called Halo that aims to allow people to communicate using thought alone. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. The project is still in early stages, but uses an electromyography sensor, EMG, to measure they the electrical... They also make guitar pickups, too. EMG? <laughs> well, uh, was that? that was a brand of, of electric guitar pickups, so... <laughs> they branched, they branched out since is, then. Yeah, they're moving into other sensors, but anyway, sure. sorry. Nice, nice. <laughs> Good guitar punnery. Um, yeah, so this is interesting, though. It's going to measure electrical activity in the wearer's muscles. So where exactly? Is it going to be on my jawline? Like, I, I thought it was going to be some sort of cranial implant that it would be measuring, but I guess it's muscles. That's hmm. that's cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's interesting, because maybe we can just kind of shift over to a related story. A yeah. friend of mine in my homebrew club, uh, Chris, sent me this story, and... I read it today, and it's you know I initially put this in the cheer and beer, but it kind of ties in with with some of this stuff. And um, this woman, uh, Ann Johnson, uh, this was in the New York Times when she was thirty years old. It was like two years after she got married, she had a a major stroke and lost. Uh, she was paralyzed and lost her ability to speak. And I mean, awful. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, I'll, ju I'll just read you the, the, the first part of this. Uh, she was a volleyball coach, mother of an infant. Um, and wow. um, on Wednesday, and I mean this past Wednesday, um, uh, scientists reported a remarkable advance towards uh, helping her and other patients speak again. In a milestone of neuroscience and artificial intelligence, implanted electrodes decoded uh, Mrs. Johnson's brain signals as she silently tried to say sentences. Technology converted her brain signals into written and vocalized language and enabled an avatar on a computer screen to speak the words and display smiles, what? pursed lips, and other expressions. Oh. And th there's a video of her really? using this, and it is amazing. As she, like, 
they show a sentence on the screen, you know, on, on the video of what she is saying, and she's saying it silently. She can move her mouth, but she can't speak. Oh, she can? Okay. Yeah. And uh -huh. then, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was the view from behind. I think she can move yeah. her mouth, but she can't speak. And, uh, and then in a very reasonable amount of time, the avatar of her design, she was able to choose how this looks, you know, and they even modeled the voice to her, what her voice was, Amazing. you know. Amazing. And in a very reasonable amount of time, it, it said the words. And, you know, and her husband's been with her ever since. So this is 18 years later. She's oh 48 God. now. And, and her husband's with her and, and she can speak to him. That's incredible. And it's, I mean, it's like, if that doesn't give you goosebumps and make you feel good, nothing will. Yeah, um, right. And uh, Cheer and beer, yeah. if there ever was. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and it says, this, the, the research published in the journal Nature, it's nature.com, uh, demonstrates the first time spoken words and facial expressions have been directly synthesized from brain signals. Uh, wow. Experts say Mrs. Johnson chose the avatar, a face resembling hers, and researchers used her wedding toast to develop the avatar's voice. I mean, Jeez. cool. It's wonderful. Oh, so I, I, I must have missed that detail. So they took her voice and they did like a voice cloning too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's super it's cool. It's so great. It's so great. And then usually when you go over to the actual like, uh, this wasn't like a white paper. It was a little bit more... Accessible as far as reading it, but it it's yeah. it's it's worth reading here. I think mm -hmm. um, it's fairly techy, but it's it's not it's not like you have to be a PhD to understand it. But it, sure, it'll give you a little idea. And the abstract is: speech neuroprosthesis have the potential to restore communication to people living with paralysis, but naturalistic speed and expressivity are elusive. Here we use high-density surface recordings of the speech cortex in a clinical trial participant with severe limb and vocal paralysis to achieve high-performance real-time decoding across three complementary speech-related output modalities, text, speech audio, and facial avatar animation. We trained and evaluated deep learning models using neural data collected as the participant attempted to silently speak sentences. For text, we demonstrate accurate and rapid large vocabulary decoding with a median rate of 78 words per minute and a median word error of 25%. For speech audio, we demonstrate intelligible and rapid speech synthesis and personalization to the participant's pre-injury voice. For facial avatar animation, we demonstrate the control of virtual orofacial movements for speech and non-speech communicative gestures. The decoders reached high performance with less than two weeks of training. Our findings introduce a multimodal speech neuroprosthetic approach that has substantial promise to restore full embodied communication to people living with severe paralysis. Amazing. Yeah. Can we get a round of applause? Un yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So great. So great. Can you imagine, I mean, A, being in that, being just thrown into that two years after you get married at age 32? To, or, or she was 30, I, I, I forget. It's, right, right. And already having a, an infant kid, you know, I mean, this is just terrible. Awful scenario. And probably have lost hope over the course of the past 18 years, like, um, this is my scenario for the rest of my life. And then having this, you're reminding me of, in a previous episode, we talked about the Not Impossible Project and 
them hacking together this set of eyeglasses for this uh, quadriplegic yes. who was then, then able to make art. And I remember him saying in the video, he said, it was like somebody had reached down underwater and pulled me up for a breath of air when they gave me this device. And it sounds very similar to what you're describing. You know, it must be like that. Like, oh my God, I now my voice can be heard. I can actually communicate in the world and have a presence. Yeah. Oh, just, just, just amazing. And she's in like Saskatchewan, like, on the sticks yeah and the people that worked this all out they were way far away and she she had read about them contacted them and they were like we'd love to help you but you know i'm paraphrasing but uh, you know Mm -hmm. the distance Mm -hmm. is going to be a problem but she was persistent and they made it work and good for her somehow they they worked around the the distance and i know maybe she came to them or something but um and it was an implant, right? In yes, the brain? Yeah, there's literally yeah. like a, it's like uh, on the top back of her skull, there's like a matrix plug me in kind of thing. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. It's right. Yeah. And you're circling back to the thing that started this conversation, the Unbabble language translation company and their Halo product. Um, uh, to carry on that, once you have that device on your head, the data is then used to train a large language model to generate text that corresponds to the, the wearer's thoughts. So it's you're creating these customized, just like you were mentioning with this device, like capturing the essence of her speech through the, the wedding toast or whatever it was and kind of synthesizing all these elements and the, the typical vocabulary somebody would use to just convey their personality. It's really incredible. Yeah, these are the good things that get me super excited about this stuff. Yeah. Super cool. Um, AI is coming for the textile industry. This reminds me of our conversation from last week with adversarial clothing. I love that term, adversarial. It just sounds so yeah, Adversarial patterns, you know. Like. Uh, uh, yeah. So there's this UK textile company called The Mill Shop Online, and they're letting your imagination flow into fabrics via their fabric genie. So you can go online. And it's basically text to fabric pattern. So you go in there and you say license plates and it spits out all this, you know, adversarial clothing for you. Um, some people love it. And of course, uh, clothing designers and textile designers are not too happy about the advancement. Yeah. Well, you know, got to do what you got to do. You know, yeah. got to move forward. Text to fabric. What, what what are the other text to things we haven't thought of? I know. I was just oh, thinking that. Uh, yeah, well, going the other way around, I saw something about a, you know, you've got text to audio or text to music. Uh-huh. It was music to image. And Interesting. Yeah, so you'd give it, a, a, you know, a, a music and it would just Ooh. generate a, a, a single still frame. Uh-huh. It's yeah. like synesthesia. Mm. You know what that is? Yeah. It's oh, like hearing. Pe- people who t- taste colors and yes. things like that. So it's kind of cool. I wonder, that's really interesting stretch. I wonder what, how would, going back to our Pink Floyd conversation from last week, like, well, what does that song look like to an AI? Yeah. That's pretty cool. What does our podcast, uh, you know, yeah, music yeah. look like? <laughs> and, yeah, that's super cool. What's the name of the platform for that? Was it Meta's, like, um, Audio LM? Oh, yeah. Music LM? Yeah. That that whole uh, yeah, I yeah, forget, yeah I forget what it is I, I'll I'll add it into the show notes. I I, I heard this other thing uh, that apparently OpenAI is losing seven hundred thousand dollars per day, and it 
could potentially go bankrupt Eesh. in 2024 if it doesn't start turning a profit. I mean, seven grand, 700 grand a day is <laughs> fairly significant. Yeah. I thought that was the number you told me that it costs to run that LLM every day. Well, yeah, maybe that's it. That's exactly and, it. Yeah. What we were just talking about, this yeah. is the AI churn, I guess, right? This is the churn. I've seen numerous people mention like their user base has been declining uh, recently, but it's also people are on break from school yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Right. So I don't know how big of a percentage of the user base that, that amounts to, but that could yeah. explain, I guess, some of it. But And there's also the initial like, oh, I got to check this thing out. Yes. The novelty of it. Yeah. And now there's so many other players in the game too. I'm sure like Claude too is eating into it. Um, you're reminding me of Threads. Do you know what Threads is? Yes. Yeah. It's Meta's like answer to, well, I was going to say Twitter, but now it's yeah, X. X. Yeah. But Threads apparently came on the scene and had the most users sign on yeah. in the history of apps. I think it was like a hundred million in a week or something crazy. And then I think that user base fell off by like 95% in week two or something really? crazy. Something really? very extreme. I'm, I'm sure I'm exaggerating, but it was like that. Wow. Yeah. When we started the podcast, you know, my wife is like, eh, maybe, maybe you should consider getting a Threads account for the podcast. And we haven't done it, but. No, I don't hear anything about it these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a month ago or so that it came out and I don't hear anything about it. Well, hmm. another um, uh, social media platform that <laughs> I heard about recently is uh, called Be Fake. Be Fake AI. That sounds promising. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're like, everything's on the table. So you go in the app store, and uh, this is the, the description, which pretty much tells you all you need to know. Why be real when it's fun to be fake? Mm. Be honest. We're not always our creative best, and not every moment feels ready to share. So give your reality an AI lift. Ooh. Be Fake AI is the first AI-augmented social network, allowing you to transform every moment, no matter how messy, into a social media masterpiece. Built to reduce the pressure and time it takes to create that perfect moment, our app mm. allows you to create hyper-interesting content using AI, from boring to brilliant, all at a press of a button. So why be real when you can be anything? Be fake. And, <laughs> and yeah, like, the, they've got all the screenshots and, you know, a little tagline under the first one is, let's be real, it's more fun to be fake. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 that's got to be fun being in the marketing department coming up with that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's great. Uh, but it's just also so sad when you're describing it. I'm like, yeah. you got to like craft the perfect moment for your social media feed. Like, oh my God, it's such it's just a crap, right? Yeah, 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 crap, yeah. Yeah. But funny. Funny crap. Funny crap. What else you got? I think it's time for the news. What do you say? Sure. Make sure Rain is ready. Rain, are you ready? Yeah. Is Rain, Rain awake? Yeah. We'll yeah. go wake her up. Yeah, all right. Thanks, boys. A recent study has unveiled that ChatGPT, the loquacious language model from OpenAI, appears to have a soft spot for the Democratic Party in its responses. This political favoritism, the study hints, isn't just a result of its training data, but also a reflection of its design. Scholars from USC and UC Berkeley orchestrated this investigation encouraging an expedition into the political leanings of language models and offering ideas to tone them down. Their sleuthing revealed that ChatGPT's penchant for democratic perspectives transcends borders, as its tendencies were spotted in Brazilian and British scenarios too. Imagine paralyzed patients speaking again, thanks to brain implants and AI magic. 
Researchers have crafted implants that tap into the brain's movement control center, translating electrical signals into spoken text through computer voices. In tests with ALS patients, these implants allowed near-conversational communication. While challenges remain like costs and safety, this futuristic tech could reshape the way we tackle paralysis. No copyright for AI art? A federal judge decided that works solely created by artificial intelligence can't be copyrighted, since human touch is the mojo for a valid copyright claim. Computer scientist Stephen Thaler's quest to copyright AI-made art was denied, as Judge Beryl Howell upheld the notion that human authorship is the core of copyright. While Thaler's lawyer plans to appeal, the courtroom showdown raises intriguing questions about AI's role in the artistic universe, from creatorship to the fine print. Well, that should add a wrinkle to the discussions between Hollywood studios and striking actors and writers. Meanwhile, across the pond, in England, an AI camera system set up along a major road nabbed nearly 300 rule breakers within 72 hours, a number climbing to 1,000 in just five days. The Cornwall Police Force tested an AI road safety camera created by Accusensis, spotting offenses like unbuckled seatbelts and texting while driving. The system snaps clear pics of vehicles, AI scrutinizes them, and if found guilty, drivers receive either a warning or prosecution notice. Weren't we just discussing AI surveillance last week? Where's my adversarial sweater emblazoned with random license plates when you need it? In World War III adjacent news, get ready for the Hypersonic Defense Project, where the Missile Defense Agency and DARPA are teaming up to create a system that can track and intercept hypersonic missiles mid-flight. These missiles are on steroids, traveling at Mach 5 and pulling surprise moves in the air. But fear not. AI is the secret sauce here, helping predict their paths and even launching counter-missiles for a high-speed showdown. Can't we all just play a game of Missile Command and settle this nonsense once and for all? That's all the news for now. Back to you, gentlemen. Everything we talk about ends up in the news. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. All right, Unavoidable. So we're to begin on... To comment on this, well, just real quick, it was the last thing I'm thinking about a, a, a missile intercept thing traveling at Mach five, five times the speed of sound, right? And what sound sounds what seven hundred miles an hour? How fast is that? Something like that, seven eight hundred. Yes, it, something. Yeah, I should know that exact number off the top of my head, but um, obviously, it's got a guidance system and it's got to adjust fins on this mm-hmm. projectile. Can you imagine how short those adjustments, how quick? Right. Little tweaks of a flap here or there. Sure. It's got to be in milliseconds, right? Just otherwise they'd be like, oh, now it's made a 90 degree turn, you know? Yeah. I know nothing about that, but it seems like, man, that's got to be some very fast compute. And I I don't know, a lot, a lot of stuff going on under the hood. Yeah. Mach 5, man. So that's, that's an AI I can get behind. Um, yeah, definitely. And I'm fascinated by that stuff. I... A lot of my Instagram, oddly enough, is this morbid curiosity with military weapons. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just amazed at the engineering that goes behind these things. Like, missiles that are launched from destroyers that, you know, pop straight out of the of the, of the chute, and then they hit some retro rocket and they'll booster, and it spins perpendicular and then takes off a thousand miles an hour over the horizon. Amazing how brilliant humans are at creating weapons of war. You know? It's, uh, it's unbelievable. And even yeah. going... Going back to like, I'm no historian on this, but I, I want to say like World War II, a howitzer, which was like a, a mobile launch. Cannon on trailer. Cannon on wheels, yep. yeah. 
And I, I remember, you know, my dad was big into all this stuff. And, and I remember him telling me, like, that that ancient thing, you could park a projectile 30 miles away mm-hmm. and put it through a window. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a window of a house. Yeah. I don't know if that's accurate or if that's wrong. You know, yeah, I don't no. know. But but generally speaking, it was, you could, Close that enough. thing would go very far and it was frighteningly accurate for something that, you know, that old with a dumb projectile. Sure. Once it leaves it, it's on its own. It's not guiding itself. Now each one of these projectiles goes, you know, $1.8 million, you know, and mm-hmm. it's got a, and they're smart. a major yeah. com- computer on board and cameras and yeah. Um, yeah. I was one of the big wins in Ukraine. I think was that they had scored some uh, howitzers with smart ammo, and mm-hmm. that was kind of a turning point at one point. Yeah, and I, I remember when that war started. You know, there's a lot of publicity on the on the javelin, you know, which has been around for a long time, and that got me interested. Just like I, mm. you know, just from the tech side, like how does this thing work? Incredible. Yeah, I, I I'll never forget seeing and not to go totally into the military <laughs> space, but <laughs> yeah. speaking of javelins. Maybe you've seen it, like this Ukrainian soldier firing this shoulder-launched missile, taking out a cruise missile that was inbound. Did you see that? No. An unreal. I wow. Just how fast. Wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. The thing that caught my eye in Reina's or ear in Reina's newscast was the no copyright for mm. AI art, which is really interesting because isn't that at the root of the whole writer, director, studio kerfuffle that's happening right now like i mean if they if the studios they're all hell-bent on making ai generated stuff but at the end of the day they can't own it then what what's the point yeah with with all the stuff that i play with and when i'm generating images in mid-journey and i'm sharing them with someone i always I, i end up stopping myself and saying like i i didn't make this you know i or like i generated this with midjourney yeah. i like no Midjourney generated this, mm-hmm. you know, I guided it. Yeah. Um, but then there are, there are other times when it's rare that you get exactly what you want the first time. Mm-hmm. And it takes iterations and tweaking of the prompts. So there is some some human interaction there. But, but ultimately, yeah, I don't know. I, there's, a, there's a couple mm. different ways to look at it, you know? It's like, yeah. yes, you didn't really make this image something else did but and it was generated from a text prompt but if i give you that prompt and you put it in you are going to end up with a totally different image it's never going to generate the same image twice and if that's the case then maybe maybe it is yours yeah you're making me think of the movie inception do you know the movie inception no one i love that movie yeah i I mean where they go inside somebody's mind and steal that initial seed of an idea isn't that the whole idea premise of inception so Mm -hmm. when you're writing a prompt isn't that the inception of the idea like don't you own it to an extent but the other thing that this made me think of is that who how are you going to prove that something was ai generated how are you going to prove that there's no watermark like so it says no copyright for AI. if i didn't disclose that in a court of law how would you know that this was spat out of mid-journey or dolly and and it's going to keep getting better and better and harder and harder to discern and uh, like you, you, I think we mentioned the story there. This is a while back, but it was you know some, somebody entered a photo in a uh, photo contest, and uh, they disqualified it because they said it was AI, and, and it wasn't. wasn't. It wasn't. And you look at it, and you can be like, yeah, I guess, yeah, I could see that, you know, because it was, it had a quirky vibe to it, but it was just like three people in a bathroom. But 
yeah. So, yeah. Sticky gray area for sure. This other thing I saw uh, from Inside Higher Ed uh, addresses something from a previous episode of ours, of course, uh, regarding how AI is kind of impacting all facets of education. Southern New Hampshire University is winding down its coding boot camp program called Kenzie Academy, only two years after acquiring it. The university cited a changing landscape of competition and technology as the reason for the closure. Specifically, the university cited the adoption of artificial intelligence tools as a factor in the closure. AI-powered tools are making it easier for people to learn to code on their own without the need for a boot camp. And the camp cost, I think, somewhere between five to $10,000. So uh, these other platforms like GitHub Copilot, code to vec deep coder these are three just that were in the article uh that are alternatives to having to pay for a boot camp so there you go right in line with that i saw a story um this is actually from uh, actually it was back in june but it popped up recently but github ceo says copilot will write 80 percent of code quote sooner than later unquote mm. so yeah they're probably feeling that yeah. What was interesting to me is that one of those platforms we just talked about, maybe it is Copilot for that matter. It's basically just type in natural language to say, I want a an app that is for video streaming and write it in Python or whatever mm -hmm. and out it comes. That's it. I really want to try that. Yeah. Yeah. The last bit of coding I ever did was probably in basic like <laughs> oh i just saw something about COBOL that you mentioned that there is they they trained an ai to learn and write in COBOL because it was some ancient system that ran on COBOL. no nobody knew how to use it or something it was something like that yeah so uh you know our, our mutual friend of ours um named mark back when like back in the bachelor pad days and we were roommates he was a COBOL programmer um and uh but there, apparently there's still a lot of, uh, mm -hmm. and, and my wife brought this up recently, there's a lot of systems that are still in place that run on that, and yeah. not a lot of people know it. So Yeah, a lot of government systems, apparently. I don't know about COBOL specifically, but like there's some yeah. ancient operating systems still thriving in, at the IRS, and dare mm -hmm. I say, missile silos around the country. <laughs> but and actually, I think... There was a, is it Voyager? One of these probes we sent out into space was running something ancient from 50 years ago, and they lost communication with it. They had to bring in some you know, fossils to <laughs> kick off the dust and figure yeah. out how to talk to this thing. So, what's up in Mid Journey? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I don't think they actually incremented the version number, but uh, they, they added the you know, what we've been referring to as in-painting and what they're calling uh, va uh, vary region or mm. vary by region. It's okay. one or the other. But, uh, and and as I was saying, like, you know, so it allows you to change the prompt for just one part of the image. And I was really curious, like, how are they going to pull this off in Discord? You know, it just doesn't seem like the interface is suited mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, all the delays, the recent delays were like, well, that they were waiting for Discord to uh, update the interface. Well, yeah. So now you generate an image when after you upscale it, then uh, in addition to all the other uh, options, the panning, zoom out, whatever, now there's vary region. And if you click on that, it brings up something totally new in Discord, and 
you can either use a rectangle or a lasso and select an area of the image. Mm, generative fill. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, as long as you have it in remix mode, um, then you can type in uh, what you want in that area. And mm -hmm. there are some caveats. Um, and like the way that they described it in one of their in their like office hours or one of their updates, it says the feature works best on large regions of the image, twenty to fifty percent of the image. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not a magic fix, and it often may be best to just do a very a subtle variation instead. So when when you after you generate an image, you can have it you know give you variations, and you can choose either subtle or or more varied. Mm -hmm. But um, and then uh, changing the prompt will work best if it's a change that's more matched to the image. Uh, for example, adding a hat on top of a character or glasses mm. uh, versus something that's extremely out of place, like a dolphin in a forest. Got it. And uh, in a best case scenario, you can use the prompt remixing feature as a general purpose in painting system. However, we would warn that this can sometimes be quite frustrating as a system may fight your intent. Sorry. Yeah, they're, they're very mm. upfront about the, yeah. the limitations, you know. Uh, on the whole, we find when you use this feature as intended over large areas or with small prompt modifications, it can be quite fun, and we hope you enjoy it. So initially, I know, you know, you had, uh, were trying to generate or, or have me help you generate some images of a person in a hatchet-throwing uh, yeah. yeah. facility and... It's so strange. You go to Midjourney and you just ask it to generate an image of a hatchet. It knows what it is and it makes nice images. You ask of women. It, well, no, of a hatchet. Like I'm saying, it knows what a hatchet is. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. It also makes very nice, uh, knows, it knows what an attractive woman is. When you ask it to generate an image of a woman or anyone holding a hatchet, holding. it it just it's so wrong it's Excuse like it doesn't it come out it's, it's strange it, they're holding something but it's not a hatchet and it's totally wrong and and i'm wondering why you know what is going on under the hood that confuses it so this seemed like oh this is the perfect fix for that yeah. so i selected the area and it, it still generated odd looking non-hatchety type things <laughs> you know it, it got closer but yeah but yeah, so that's, I think, why they haven't actually called this the next version release. But you know, yeah. Discord finally got the interface. Uh, I mean, good for them that they added this totally different thing to their interface to accommodate this. So it's it, it'll get better. So I think there's going to be like one more five dot release. Uh, and then version six seems like it's uh, poised to be a, a big update. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I can't see myself fully getting on board with it until it's either a standalone website or downloadable, you know, program or something. You know what I mean? I. I don't mm -hmm. know. Discord is such a turnoff for me for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we covered it all. Yeah. Um, oh, there was one other quick little thing I saw. I saw that. Um, you, you know, p uh, PC gamers. You know, they they do a lot of um, modding of games. So like Grand Theft Auto Five has been out for ten plus years. And there's always, you know, I, I see some of these mods that people do that make the, you know, the graphics more photorealistic. I'm like, man, it's just so impressive what, mm. what these people can do on their own. And um, so apparently there was a, a, a GTA, uh, Grand Theft Auto V mod that, so Take-Two Interactive is the parent company that owns Rockstar Games. And um, uh, there was a mod that used AI for NPCs, for non-playable characters. Right. Uh, but Take-Two Interactive took it down. 
and uh, you know, with no explanation. But my my gut feeling is like that's probably gonna be a selling point of Grand Theft Auto Six, and they yeah. don't want to diminish the uh, luster of of that news whenever that game eventually yeah, comes out. That makes sense. So we're gonna leave you with a listener question, uh, since we we're all over the place tonight. Uh, what AI are you digging lately? Is it text to image? Is it text to fabric? Is it <laughs> song to picture? So what is it? Uh, what are you What are you grooving on? Let us know in the comments on social media uh, when we post this episode. Anything else, my friend? No, I think uh, did we cover it all. We covered it all. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not nothing. I can't wait till next week. Yeah. <laughs> There's always next week. All right. Subscribe. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on Facebook. Throw us a rating. We'll see you next week. This has been Up Against Reality. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to hear future episodes and be sure to follow us on social media for all things AI. Until next time, stay human, people. <laughs> <laughs>